Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for Kentucky politics. As always, if you want to reach out, feel free to do so. You can email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. I'm still have that little bit of that uh, head cold there going into Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Eve. So please bear with me if I sound a little bit different, a little nasally, here's some sniffles. It's okay. We'll get through this together. All right. We've got some good information to bring to you today. I want to start off with, you know, I don't normally talk about a whole lot of national politics things. You all know that this show is focused on Kentucky issues, but when national politics come to Kentucky, I feel a need to weigh in on it. And something you probably haven't heard from me before on the show is any kind of word about the Hamas-Israel conflict. Um, I've, I've kind of mentioned it in passing. Uh, I've mentioned a, a few different things, but you know, regardless of your opinion, really regardless of my opinion, I think there's one thing that any civilized human should at least be able to agree upon. We may not be able to agree on sending money to Israel or not. I could be against it just because I don't like sending money overseas. You could think it's a biblical calling uh, to send government aid overseas, you know, and that's a, a debate to be had. That's a debate, a good debate to be had on national political shows. But here at the state political level, you really just need to know that, well, supporting Hamas being quote unquote, pro-Palestinian, demanding a ceasefire at this point, um, you know, is is certainly one out of the question, and two, is very supportive, obviously, of Hamas. Look, Hamas didn't attack on Israel. Israel's defending itself going into Hamas. Whatever you believe, even if you have conspiracies about it, what have you, here's the most important thing. Um, maybe it shouldn't involve us at all. You know, don't get us involved in war. Maybe don't send our money over there. Maybe that's something you think. Um, but I think, you know, you, you can either hold the opinion, let Israel and Hamas duke it out, just keep us out of it. Or maybe you hold the opinion that we really, really need to support Israel with troops and money and everything else. But I, I just don't see how you could value the Western world and value, uh, Western values like, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a fairly civilized world with, uh, you know, a, a Judeo-Christian values that include, you know, two parent households, the nuclear family, all the, the bedrock of what has been success. I don't know how you can value that. And at the same time, call for the destruction of Israel. And you may remember a few weeks ago, there was a group of protesters in Lexington, about 200 or so, that were chanting uh, slogans that weren't just, hey, uh, you know, I support Palestine or what have you. They were, Hey, we want Israel destroyed. We want Israel gone. And that's, I think that's part of the problem, right? We all know that if, if a lot of these people that are going out here, they're talking about this Israel Hamas conflict, they're really demagoguing, uh, you know, the deaths of these children in order to say, okay, um, you, you know, let me, let me use the death of civilians to somehow, attack Israel for engaging in what is a normal military conflict. Civilians die during war and it is awful, but all the times during World War II, during Vietnam War, you heard a little bit of it, you know, during the Iraq, Afghanistan invasion, you did not hear these kinds of attacks 
on a people for, uh, you know, civilian conflicts and war zones, civilian casualties and war zones. And, and the fact that there's civilian casualties in war is one of the reasons why we should be very, very slow ourselves to go to war, mind you. But anyways, you know, they're, they're demagoguing these civilian deaths to really say Israel shouldn't defend itself. Or more importantly, Israel shouldn't wipe out Hamas. That's what they don't want to have happen. They don't want Hamas wiped out because if Hamas gets wiped out, well, then uh, it makes it that much harder for them to achieve their ultimate goal, wiping out Israel. They just really, really hate Israel. And the whole reason why I'm touching upon this is because, well, these these pro Palestinian, let's just get rid of Israel protesters have reared their ugly head and their back in Lexington. This time, this last Thursday, a bunch of them showed up to a Lexington City Council meeting to go ahead and make sure that the uh, Lexington City Council and Mayor Linda Gorton there in Lexington uh, saying that they are complicit. No, I'm serious. Uh, though I don't remember the last time uh, I, I specifically saw, and, and I could be missing something. I've looked through the city budgets in Lexington. I haven't seen a specific line item of money to Israel. Uh, I haven't specifically seen that. I'm not saying that the city doesn't do any business with Israeli companies maybe, or, or, or maybe just invoice to Israel or things like that. But last I checked the, the good people of Lexington, Kentucky are not the ones actually signing the checks um, obviously federal government is, but, but the city council isn't the one making the decisions to, you know, buy more missiles for Israel. That's the last I checked. But despite that, the pro-Palestinian, I hate Israel people showed up there demanding that the Lexington city council issue a resolution calling for a ceasefire, which of course, uh, is just would only be there to benefit Hamas, once again, allow Hamas to stay in power. So call for a ceasefire, which, by the way, a ceasefire without terms. And absolutely, I'm sure, I'm sure right now that if Hamas said, okay, we'll give all of us up, we'll give us all up and turn ourselves over to Israel. All of us, we're giving up, we're coming out. Israel would say, okay, we'll ceasefire. Like that's a surrender, right? That's, that's a ceasefire. But a ceasefire with no agreement, with no treaty, with no nothing, okay? is a surrender. So basically they're saying, we want you to call on Israel to surrender immediately and withdraw any monetary support you have to Israel. This is Lexington city council. And it wasn't just one or two speakers. There was a lot of speakers at this event, like a lot of speakers. You had uh, signs, of course, um, calling uh, or speakers that were describing uh, what Israel's doing in Hamas uh, or doing to Hamas in the Gaza Strip as genocide. Um, you had one speaker said, be it resolved that the city of Lexington advocates for the dignity and safety of residents in every community, regardless of what crimes its leadership may commit, and that peaceful diplomacy is the only way to achieve this safety. Is it is it through peaceful diplomacy that Israel's supposed to get back all their uh, uh, citizens have been taken hostage by Hamas that you know, hundreds of them? Is that is that peaceful diplomacy? Um, some other audience members taped their mouths shut with American flags and held up signs accusing Mayor Linda Gorton and Vice Mayor Dan Wu of being complicit. That's right. Mayor Linda Gorton and Dan Wu, complicit of the attack on uh, Hamas by Israel. Definitely a part of that. 
and and they did get something out of the city council. This is something the leftists do. They do real well. They do know how to get some concessions out of our feckless, spineless leaders uh, that absolutely always will play their games no matter what. They did manage to get that city council there to go ahead and hold a moment of silence. Um, for what exactly? I don't know. Where the, Do you think they're holding that moment of silence uh, uh, for everybody killed in the conflict, both Israeli and um, Palestinian? Uh, most likely not. It's possible they threw that in there, but I don't per se see that they do that. And, and of course, other people showed up, you know, signs saying free Palestine, a boycott Israel, um, you know, people condemning U.S. aid to Israel, and then blaming colonialism for the attacks. So so this is the other thing they're doing at the meeting. So while they're calling for um, this this uh, Lexington to, to divest itself from its great and utter holdings, just gigantic holdings it seems to have with Palestine. I mean, imagine Mayor Linda Gordon called up Benjamin Netanyahu and said, look, this is Mayor Linda Gordon from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we're not giving, we're, we're withdrawing our support from you. What do you think BB would say? He'd be like, I don't even know who you are. So how'd you get this number? Stop calling me, right? It's not even on the map there. But regardless, uh, they really, really were pushing heavy for this in the meeting. Um, stop the hate. Israel is a racist state. Uh, things like that. Um, and then others making, uh, you know, it, it was it was quite clearly just an attack generally on what's going on there. And so the Lexington City Council did do their their moment of silence, but that's not the only way they've given in. Uh, I'll talk about what the mayor's response has been uh, to this, I, honestly, just ridiculous demonstration inside their chambers. Uh, I'll be covering that after this short break. As always, you can reach out to us, info at theandrewshow.com. We'll be back with you all in just a few short minutes. And you're back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky political news and commentary from a constitutional and conservative viewpoint. Before the break, we were talking about these pro-Hamas uh, people that came in demanding Lexington uh, remove all of its uh, uh, um, massive amount of support that it's providing to Israel, which, once again, not really a whole massive amount and demanded and, 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 and said, Dan Wu, vice mayor, Linda Gordon are complicit, complicit. in what exactly, I guess, complicit they say in the genocide Israel is doing, you know, just a normal country going to war to defend itself, you know, complete and utter genocide, of course. Um, but regardless, so, so what's the proper response here? What would you like to see? Well, what you would like to see is somebody standing up and saying, um, no, we're, you know, we're going to stand up here, the city council, we're going to stand up here. We're not going to give in to these demands. We're not going to have any more conversation on this. Israel has a right to defend itself. Uh, you know, at one point they blamed colonialism for the attacks. Like, no, and no, Israel did nothing uh, to, to Israel did nothing in order to deserve uh, it's civilians being slaughtered like that. It's babies being thrown in an oven. Maybe you have a wartime conflict with Israel. So you specifically aren't supposed to target civilian populations, which is exactly what Hamas did. That's what makes them terrorists. 
And so, you know, instead of standing up to him, what do they do? Well, it appears that Mayor Linda Gorton and Dan Wu have went ahead and sent this resolution that the pro-Palestinian, pro, pro, uh, pro, you know, destroying of the Jewish state, anti-Semitic uh, activists wanted handled. Um, well, they went ahead, they've sent it over to committee. That's right. They have gotten, they have moved this over. This is a real thing now. The city of Lexington may here soon actually end up voting to to call for a ceasefire in Israel. Once again, I'm sure, uh, uh, you know, oh, Israel doesn't even, couldn't even put Lexington on a map, right? Couldn't even point to it. But of course, uh, it's just this kind of thing. And, and this really just goes to show how the left operates. They really infect everything. Like you wouldn't ever think, I would never think, you would never think, to go to your local, maybe city council, county, uh, uh, fiscal court, you know, um, you're, you're even, even really state legislators, maybe a little bit, but not really. I wouldn't even go to them asking for them to issue resolutions on this conflict. I wouldn't even go to them to ask their opinions. I wouldn't think it would matter, but to the left, they infect everything. They look at everything as an opportunity to push forward their ideas. And that's what they see here. They get organized and they push out way more than we on the right do. I admire it. I really do. I wish we could get together like this. I wish for, for some more going on in a country far away, the city of Lexington has nothing to do with, that Garrett County Fiscal Corps has nothing to do with, that Jesmond County Fiscal Corps has nothing to do with, that Nicholasville City Council has nothing to do with, Danville, Boyle County, Lincoln County, that none of you all have anything to do with, have any decision making in the process at all. I wish we were so organized and so motivated, we would go to them just to demand something, but we don't do that. But yet the left does this. This is how they control the conversation. This is how they got away so far with so much of their leftist nonsense, so much of this diversity, equity, inclusion to where it's infected everything. They are motivated. They are organized. I think they're somewhat paid though. I do say that. I do think they are definitely, I think, paid to go ahead and push this forward. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's troubling. I'd, I'd love to see the Jewish community as well as, uh, even just, even just people to come out and just say, look, now it is just not the city of Lexington's business. The city of Lexington has no business telling Israel how to handle itself, condemning anything Israel is doing really. It's just not their concern. They, they don't have a decision-making and everything else. And, and, and quite frankly, does this really represent the will of the people in front of you? Most likely not. As I said at the top, maybe, maybe you have differences of opinions on the Israel Hamas conflict. Maybe you think that, I don't know, Hamas doesn't deserve what they're getting. I don't know how you think that, but maybe you think that maybe you think Israel's in the wrong. Maybe you think this or that. I don't know, but what we should all be able to agree on is that one, the city of Lexington has nothing to do with it. And then two, I, I think the majority of us would also say you shouldn't be generally on the side of Hamas in this one. Maybe you're not on the side of Israel, but you, you certainly shouldn't be on the side of Hamas. Well, um, I have this story here, nothing to do with politics at all. Uh, just something I found generally kind of funny. Um, apparently in, um, uh, <laughs> in Georgetown, here, the the big boy statue in front of Frisch's uh, off of 460 Connector Road in Georgetown went missing. 
reported stolen earlier this week. Um, the statue set by the entrance of the restaurant, the theft is suspected to have taken place on Monday morning during night shift hours. Um, they're currently investigating Georgetown police department currently investigating. Uh, uh, they have looked around online and apparently these big boy statues are selling for thousands of dollars. One statue is listed on eBay.com for 10,000. So one statue is listed on eBay for 10,000. I don't know where you find a big boy fence. I don't know what you do with those uh, statues. You must, the person who taken it must've taken it to be an ornament or something within their house. Cause you really can't move that. I mean, it's a missing big boy statue and um, you know, where are you going to find it? How are you going to move that? You've got a fence to move the big boy statue. It's not exactly not known exactly what it is. You're going to have to move that out of state and sell it. And somehow, hopefully they don't have serial numbers. Do, do big boy statues have serial numbers? I, I don't generally think so. It is, it does leave some questions about why, just why, why do this? Um, you know, what is, what's the purpose for stealing this thing? Doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense. Um, you know, this year's the long year of the legislative budget or legislative year. So for those of you unaware, how our legislative sessions work, um, basically every other year on odd numbered years is called the short year where they get 30 days a session. And then even number years is called the long year, where they get 60 days a session and session days are not like, you know, how you or I look at days, uh, only in Frankfurt can turn 30 days. We turn into 90 days, which is exactly what they do. So, so they may only be quote unquote in session, you know, three days a week, uh, on average, you know, there's some obviously towards the end where they'll be in session more. They do have to be done by a certain date. Uh, I do believe it is, what is it? Um, I believe it's May, the end of May on the short years and the middle of April on the long years is when they have to be out of office by, I believe by April 15th, the session has to be done. So they have that time to do their business. And so they don't actually have to just pass, uh, uh, the, the committee work doesn't have to only go on during that time. So they take 30 days as the days they can actually sit in the chambers and vote on things. But those outside days, they can be sitting in their um, committees, passing forward bills, uh, doing that kind of work. And this year is the budget year. Every two years, Kentucky does a budget. And, you know, we are left to wonder what exactly is the legislature going to choose to spend our money on. Now, uh, for Bashir's part, he says he's the governor normally puts out a budget and then normally the legislature waits. So after his budget comes out, to put out their budget. Um, but of course what Bashir thinks and what his budget would be really doesn't matter. In fact, I, I do have an exclusive here, um, here on the Andrew Cooperetta show. I do have some, uh, uh, leaked recording from a call that's taken place between, uh, the house and Senate leadership and Annie Bashir leaked call here, uh, where they are talking about the budget together. I have the leaked audio. Uh, we'll play that now. I'm not, um, I'm not hearing, I'm not getting any, oh, this is, this is the call. They didn't say anything that they, they don't say anything to each other. Okay. So, uh, that was the audio. Um, as you can tell, they said nothing to each other, uh, because of course they don't talk. <laughs> so it's really, it's a joke at this point. 
that Bashir even talks at all about what he wants to spend money on. Because of course, well, Bashir really doesn't, it just doesn't matter what he has to say. His spending priorities are not going to get through the legislature. Honestly, he'd do the taxpayers a, a big favor by saving the ink and paper and, and time he puts of our taxpayer dollars into preparing that governor's budget and instead spending it on something else. Isn't there some uh, uh, DEI far left liberal agenda item he could be wasting those resources on instead of spending them producing this quote unquote governor's budget that nobody is even paying attention to in the first place? But I will tell you this, there is something interesting. I wonder about this budget because there's new research out from Pew. So according to Pew, that overall state revenues are expected to be down this upcoming year, down 3.1% on average, this is according to Pew. And that's to be expected because what you're seeing is a lot of this COVID money is just getting, you know, was just being blown on everything but COVID. So, you know, you may remember when the COVID money passed, it was supposed to be spent on COVID relief things, supposed to be spent on things like, oh, I don't know, ventilation uh, systems uh, around schools and PPE and helping out businesses that you've shut down because you're jerks. Um, and, and, this, and this COVID money went out to state governments, to local governments, to county governments. This money went out there. And while um, that money was supposed to go towards only COVID things, there was something else that money could be used for. And of course, that money could also be used for um, almost anything else. There's an accounting trick that they allowed where you could use that money to account for, quote unquote, what would have been lost revenue. So whether or not your city, your county, your state actually lost tax revenues during the pandemic, whether or not you actually did, well, you could claim that because of you shutting things down, you were go losing tax revenue. So therefore, you could take that COVID relief funds and use it to spend on anything you wanted to because that was just like regular income. Are we going to see a decrease this year? Well, we're going to talk about that after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Cooperwriter Show. We'll be back here very soon. And you're back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Before the break, we're going over Pew Research has suggested that we're going to see a decline of 3.1% at least in tax revenues coming into the state. Now, I talked about how, uh, of course, a lot of that comes from some of this COVID money, obviously, infrastructure money too as well. You know, all this all this money that really helped Bashir get reelected because he got to just hand out dollars and public works projects. Uh, but that's starting to dry up. So what is our state going to do? Well, they don't have a whole lot of choices here. They're going to have to tighten the belt. But I don't know if our legislators are able to do it. Remember, we were supposed to get a tax decrease this year on our income tax at 0.5%. But according to their own plan, a plan that the the legislature put together oh just a few years ago um according to their own plan they spent more money so so they put in this tax plan that would stair step down our income tax as long as we hurt certain hit certain revenue markers but also as long as the cut so the revenue lost due to the cut wouldn't put us at a deficit over prior year spending and well we hit the revenue marker but they spent too much. So even though we had a surplus 
of over a billion dollars, over a billion dollar surplus. They can't make the cut because if they made the cut, it would cost more than the surplus because they spent too much. We hit their one target of revenue. We had the surplus, but they couldn't help themselves. So they spent too much. And so what are they going to do this year? They're going to tighten it down. Are they going to, they're going to make cuts. Are they going to stop spending on some of these ridiculous things? You know, yesterday uh, I talked about that LGBTQ conferences and crazy stuff. And, and, you know, obviously the left was very upset at me for talking about that. I'll talk about that more later on, but regardless, I was talking about that. One of the things I mentioned is how much of our tax dollars are spending on that. And if our legislature were responsible conservatives that are looking down at the uh, uh, facts in front of them saying, what can we do in order to make a difference here? What can we do um, in order to save the money? Because we've got to make the cuts. We're not going to have the revenue. And also we set forward a plan to go ahead and reach a certain level of tax uh, uh, tax cuts for our citizens. So we have to make cuts somewhere. What can we do? Well, a responsible conservative, they'd be digging in to every nickel and dime spent and finding where we have spent millions of dollars on these far left agenda items at Bashir's bequest and making those cuts. When I was running for treasurer, that is something I ran on. I put together a cuts report that 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 showed over five, six hundred million dollars their state had wasted in one year. And I said, what I would love to see happen for a budget making process is every every year when they're making a budget, every two years when they're making a budget, they have a budget committee and every state department comes in, especially in the interim, and they make budgetary requests. They come in, they present um, what they need money for. And trust me, they're not often hit with these heavy and hard questions. They're not hit with questions like, if you only had money for X or Y, which one would you choose? No, they're, they're like, well, we just need both. We got to have both. And so every time they come in there and they're asking for more money, what I'd love to see happen, this doesn't happen, but where I'd love to see happen is the, the legislators there to look at their department, look at what they spent money on and start really questioning them. And if that was a good expenditure of money or not, was that something that honors the taxpayers? Because remember, they're taking this money by force. I know a lot of you don't want to sit there and say taxation is theft, but you and I both know it is. Because if you don't pay your taxes, who shows up at your door? Men with guns, right? And last time I checked, men with guns demanding you hand over your hard-earned money, you know, your hard-earned money and you don't want to, is, is stealing. It's strong-armed robbery, last I checked. And so at least you could do is be a little cautious with how you spend our dollars, be a little more aware, but do they put them through that? No. What I'd love to see is when they come in and they demand, they say, look, we need 10 million more. They look down and say, not only are you not getting 10 million more department of, I don't know, what's a economic development, but it looks like you spent $20 million on diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives. It looks like you spent millions of dollars deciding to hand out money to people based upon only non-mutable characteristics like their gender and race. And because of that, guess what? You're not only, you're not getting 10 million more, we're cutting you 20 million because you wasted the taxpayer dollars. Try again in two years when we do this budget again, don't waste their money and we can be having a different conversation. That is how a conservative budget process would work. That is what should happen. 
that's not what goes on because of course we don't really have that strong of fiscal conservatives anymore. We see that the federal level CR after CR after CR continuing resolution, right? I mean, at this point, it's a joke. I think at this point we've all recognized that Democrats are the party that spend a lot of money and Republicans is the party that spends a lot of money and then has a lot of people saying, well, maybe we shouldn't spend it, but then spends it anyways. It's kind of like the Democrat party is kind of like, you know, the, the fat person that just eats fat. And the Republican party is the fat person that swears they're on a diet, but every day's a cheat day. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like the, the one just a glutton and honest about it. The other one over here is a glutton, but it's trying to lie to everybody and claim, oh, to, I'm on a diet, but today's my cheat day. You know the people. I know the people. Every day's a cheat day on your diet. I'm a big guy. I can say it, okay? I know what they're talking about. And at least just be honest with us. Like, we know you're not going to spend less money. I mean, this we've been talking about our, our state of our debt forever. And yet we keep spending and spending and spending. So at the state level where we can see our legislators a little bit better, we can quote unquote lay hands on them. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm saying we can actually see them and shake their hand way more often. When just a few thousand people are voting for me, at least then we should, we should catch on to it and say, look, maybe you should just spend less. I mean, since Republicans have taken over control since 2017, so starting with the session in 2017 is when Republicans in the state house uh, took control. So we've had control over the state Senate. The Republicans have, I believe since like 2000, 1999. And then in 2017, after the 2016 elections in that session that started in 2017, Republicans grabbed hold of power. And I think under Bevin, they spent less maybe one time. I think Bevin had them spend less one time. But other than that, all they've done is spend more money. We spend more money now in Kentucky, significantly more money. I'm talking billions more money, billions. Like I'm talking like 20, 30% ish more money in 2023 under a Republican legislature than we did six years ago under a Democrat legislature. That is the condition of things. That is how the spending goes in the state. They don't even, they don't even pretend to run on fiscal responsibility the, to them. Fiscal responsibility just means I can spend your money better than a Democrat. I mean, that's what they run on now. They don't run on cut and spending. They don't run on where they can, where they can make cuts at. It's just, Hey, I can, I can spend your money better than that guy. So you should elect me. That's what you need to do. Absolutely out of control. Um, you know, I've been seeing around online a little bit. I saw an opinion piece, I think on Breitbart, a uh, few people talking about Cameron. Did he lose because of his race? Did he, did he lose because Kentucky is still racist and Cameron's black? And so the, 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 you know, the people just Republicans didn't vote for him an accusation that Republicans are racist. I've been seeing that. Let me tell you one thing. I, I followed this race very closely. Um, I actually didn't hear any Republicans myself bring up the race issue. In fact, I never heard Republicans talk about it, mention it really. Uh, maybe some of the more liberal Republicans in Lexington mentioned it as a way of, of trying to sell to their other liberals, Republicans, like, here's our opportunity at diversity. Isn't that what you want? I mean, that's what you say that you want. But of course, that's because you take what these liberals have to say at face value. 
um, when it's got nothing to do, they don't actually want diversity. They just want something to beat you over the head with. But we're going to dig in more to this topic here. Uh, after this break, we're coming up on uh, the last segment here. After this, you can email the show info at theandrewshow.com. If, if you send me something interesting, I'll read it out on the air. Um, you know, I, thank you all for listening. Like I said, we'll be back here in just a few short Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And you are back in this final segment with the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Your source for Kentucky politics and news from a constitutional and conservative perspective. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooper writer before the break, we were asking the question to Cameron lose because of his race. I've been seeing some op-eds, some chatter from some people about it. And look, the, the only thing I could say about Cameron losing because of his race, it wouldn't be because Republicans refused to vote for him. It was because Democrats uh, saw him as a threat to their base, to that minority vote base that they hold on to. And that's why they went after him so hard. That would be the only ways race came into it. In fact, as I remember, there was only one racist group in the campaign, and that, of course, was the Democrats. Uh, when they went after uh, was that that Black Voices Matter, going after Cameron, of course, uh, as as a quote unquote Uncle Tom, uh, saying all skin folk ain't kin folk, just ridiculous, disgusting trash being thrown at Cameron uh, by these these liberal hypocrites, and they are hypocrites. They claim they're all about diversity equity, inclusion. They claim that, well, we want to see good representation. I mean, these are same people. They beat people over the head, right? If they don't have the right amount of skin color hired. I, you may remember a few weeks back, I was talking about how, um, well, it was actually Lexington City Council that uh, was in meetings, in open meetings, was talking about how they could spend more of our tax dollars uh, on on how they can hire more minorities and women into jobs and because they didn't have they were worried they didn't have the right makeup they didn't have the right gender and racial makeup amongst their workers that was a big concern of theirs they were really really concerned about it um so this is something liberals really care about at least they pretend to it turns out this is just really an excuse for control because of course you would say well the argument would be well liberals if you care about diversity so much why did you why, if, if Black Voices Matter compares about Black Voices so much, well, why did you spend money helping an old white straight guy, supposedly straight guy, against a Black guy? Why'd you do that? I thought, I thought you're all about this diversity stuff. And that's when you find out the truth is, is they're not about diversity stuff. They're about the liberal agenda. That is it. And liberal thought process. There is no standard to them. The only standard they have is a double standard. You're a fool for believing that was what it was ever about. They'll play this flip-flocky rigmarole thing on you no matter what. I mean, the most recent example of this was uh, yesterday, you know, I covered in the show at nauseum about this groomer conference, this youth Appalachia LGBTQ conference that had a bunch of adults talking to minor children uh, about sex and about uh, sexual relationships, romantic relationships, of course, talking about the LGBTQ stuff. 
And, uh, you know, the, the left got really upset about this. Uh, they got real upset about this on Twitter, like really upset. Actually, one of the featured speakers who goes by Big Gay Willie, uh, that's right, Big Gay Willie, um, he, he regularly, he really decided he was going to try to get after me. And, of course, their first thing they do is project or well, deny. They, they, they claim that, you know, this LGBTQ conference, we're not talking about sex. They, they literally say this. We're not talking about just sex. Okay, kids could just be having crushes. It's got nothing to do with sex. They're just having crushes on the same sex. And, and we're here to talk about that with them. That's what we're talking about, making sure they feel heard and validated. Um, last I checked, it's not really particularly healthy or good. Certainly shouldn't be legal for a bunch of adults, uh, especially ones that aren't their parents to talk to kids about their crushes either. Uh, it's weird. It's really strange, um, to sit there and hold conferences about it. Now, of course, when we say that, even if it's just crushes, why are you talking to kids about their love lives? They're not your children. Stop being a weirdo. You're being strange. And when you call them out for that, they, they love to point to Christian efforts, like the Christian student athlete group or other things uh, who, who taught abstinence and talk about abstinence with teens. And they say, well, you Christian people, uh, you, you've been talking to kids about uh, sex forever. You've been talking to them about their relationships forever. Why can't we do it? And this is where we're at now in this culture. We're at a point where we actually think these people actually think that individuals talking about telling kids to not engage in, in, in sex because of the ramifications that come from it until you're married is somehow equal to the, uh, the equivalent of an adult sitting down with a pillow and a cup of cocoa saying, tell me about your, tell me about your love life with kids. They don't even know because it makes them feel affirmed. And also too, I'm done pretending. I'm done pretending that, um, you know, when it comes to at least children, that somehow teaching them about LGBTQ lifestyle somehow has this same quote unquote value as teaching them about a heteronormative family lifestyle. It doesn't have the same value. It objectively doesn't. You know how I know it objectively doesn't? Because one relationship results in the bearing of children. There is a scientific value and a reason to talk to kids at the right age with parental consent and teach them about the human reproductive process. You're not teaching them, quote unquote, about heterosex, straight sex. You're teaching them about how humans reproduce. There's value to that. They should know how humans came to existence and our life cycle processes. There's value to that. It doesn't need to go much beyond that. It really doesn't. But to somehow pretend that because we teach kids about how a man and woman love each other and how that makes a kid, that somehow now necessitates the need to tell them about how a man and a man can just, I don't know, just get together. Like what, what value does that have in the classroom? It has none. It doesn't. And I'm okay. You can sit there and say, Andrew, you're just talking about double standards. That's a double standard. It's really not. <laughs> That's not a double standard. One results in continuing on our mankind and the other one doesn't. So yeah, it's got some more educational value. 
But of course, this doesn't stop the lefties from from gaslighting and pretending like this doesn't happen. They'll hit you with a straight face and tell you LGBTQ, talking to kids about LGBTQ, has nothing to do with sexual preferences. It's literally in the name. Lesbian, gay, bisexual. Like those are initials that stand for what a person reportedly prefers when it comes to these things. And then when it comes to these trans and other things, look, we're talking about lesbian, gay, bisexual. And then you talk about trans. Let's split those off because one sexual preference is the other one is, is literally as defined in most mental health manuals, especially obviously modern ones will be reassessed, but is, is defined as gender dysmorphia as a body dysmorphia disease. We don't treat anorexia where people believe they're fat when really they're skinny. So they don't eat or bulimia where they think they need to throw up to get their weight down. We don't treat that by affirming it. We don't, if, if an anorexic person comes to you and obviously skinny person comes to you and says, I'm fat, so I don't eat. It would be malpractice to look them in the eye and say, well, that's because you are fat. If you think you're fat, you're fat and you should continue not to eat. That would be absolutely ridiculous. That isn't, that isn't health care. That isn't mental health care. You can't, affirmative care when it comes to mental health care is ridiculous. That's the whole reason you go see care is to fix you, is not to be affirmed in your mental health illness. Like this is crazy worlds, absolutely crazy world. So yeah, we got a problem with the trans thing, talking to kids about it especially, because you're encouraging children to hate their bodies. You're encouraging children to think about themselves as if they were born in the wrong body. Of course, their suicide rates are very high. And then we're the ones in the wrong for talking about it. Last I checked, child suicide rate has been skyrocketing. Before you brought this onto the scene, it wasn't. You want to claim, oh, well, you're the reason why they're committing suicide. No, they're committing suicide because they have an untreated mental health condition that you refuse to treat. Instead, you decide, well, I'm going to affirm it, whatever that means. And then you wonder why these kids are worse off. The most put upon people in the history of America, I think we would all agree, would be slaves. Actual, like during slave time, slaves. I think without a shadow of a doubt, we should all be able to agree they are the most subjugated and put upon people in our nation's history. Can we all agree on that? Slaves probably had it worse off, not probably, slaves in America at the time had it worse off than anybody in the entire history of America. I think most of us can agree upon that. And yet, their slaves' suicide rate was significantly lower than what trans kids' suicide rates are. And they want to say it's because you're not being accepted enough. These people were beaten and forced labored and killed themselves less often than these children did. Let's recognize it for what it is. Stop gaslighting it. Well, y'all, that's what we've got time for today on the Andrew Cooper Rider Show. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Have a great rest of the morning.